keep your mental health muscles strong with the Emotional Badass Podcast. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, psychotherapist, and life coach. The Emotional Badass Podcast is your place to learn the mental health tips and tricks you need to build emotional resilience and practice mindfulness and gratitude. Join me every week for new episodes to reach a more grounded state of well-being as life brings its challenges. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, I'm Nurse Mo, and this is the Straight A Nursing Podcast, where I teach concepts and share tips on how to thrive in nursing school and at the bedside. So today's topic is more of a basic med surge concept that you are definitely learning if you're a brand new student or just starting your med surge course and might be helpful review if you've already been working for a while or in nursing school for a bit and just want to go back and review this basic disease condition. And when I say basic, I don't really mean that it's not complicated or can't get complicated. I mean that it's very common and that is appendicitis. Now, before we jump into that, let's take a quick minute for our listener shout out. And this one goes out to Krista, who says, Nurse Mo, after listening to countless nursing podcasts, you are my favorite. Your podcasts are informative and definitely not boring. With the help of your podcast and book, which is my survival guide, I was truly able to thrive in my first semester of my nursing program. Thank you for your time, dedication, motivation, and support. You are making a difference. Krista, thank you so much for sending in that feedback. You absolutely made my day. I'm thrilled the podcast helps you. And I'm also thrilled that you're using the Nursing School Thrive Guide as your survival guide. That's exactly why I wrote it. I want to wish you all the very best and can't wait to hear from you when you pass NCLEX and get your license. Okay, so like I mentioned, we're we're kind of going into a very core disease condition that I would say every nursing student learns in their first med surge class, and that is appendicitis. So appendicitis is one of the most common gastrointestinal conditions you'll see, and it's most likely occurring in individuals age 10 to about 30 years, but it can occur at any age, though I I can't say I've ever seen it in someone over the age of 50 or so, but that's not to say that it couldn't happen. I definitely have seen it in patients in their 40s, for example, or younger than 10. So in this episode, you'll learn the key things to know so that you can develop a comprehensive appendicitis nursing care plan and know how to take care of these patients. So first, what is the appendix? So the appendix is this small hollow tube that is attached at the end of the large intestine, and its function has actually been a long-standing subject of debate, and it was traditionally simply believed to be a vestigial organ, which is an organ left over from our ancestors that has no function in us now. However, current research in immunity suggests that the appendix is actually a lymphoid organ and may house symbiotic or the good gut bacteria, which can replenish the GI tract as needed. Of course, though, 
A person can live just fine without their appendix, as you probably know, and as I know because I had mine removed when I was in my early 30s. So something to know about the appendix before we move on and talk about appendicitis is that even though it is fixed and attached at the base of the cecum or the end of that large intestine, where its tip is located can vary. And that is generally what accounts for variability in pain symptoms. And we'll talk about that a bit more when we get into looking at the signs and symptoms of appendicitis. So what is appendicitis? Appendicitis is inflammation of the appendix. Remember, itis means inflammation. The cause is typically due to an obstruction, though the etiology of this is often just unknown. When the appendix becomes obstructed, aerobic and anaerobic bacteria can build up inside and this causes inflammation. Left untreated, the appendix can perforate or rupture, and this can cause serious, serious complications such as peritonitis and even sepsis. So now that you've got a little bit of background information about the appendix itself and what appendicitis is, let's go through caring for these patients using the straight A nursing latte method. So the first letter is an L, and that stands for look. So how does the patient look? Basically, what are their signs and symptoms? So the patient with appendicitis generally has a pretty distinct presentation, which includes anorexia or inability to eat or no desire to eat, right lower quadrant abdominal pain, and nausea and vomiting. Now, that is the classic presentation. There are other signs and symptoms that could be present as well, and this can include abdominal guarding, walking in a bent-over position. I can attest to this. When I had appendicitis, I could not stand up straight. It hurt far too much. Diarrhea, indigestion, even urinary frequency can occur, and generalized malaise and then fever may be present as well. Now note that the pain with appendicitis typically begins as generalized abdominal pain that progresses to more localized pain in that right lower quadrant. And this is a location called McBurney's point. That could come up on an exam. And if McBurney's point specifically doesn't come up on the exam, then right lower quadrant definitely will. However, the position of that appendix plays a key role in the patient's pain, like I mentioned before. For example, if the tip of the appendix is positioned more posteriorly, then the pain may not localize and may just be a dull ache. So any patient with abdominal pain, you're going to be thinking, could it be appendicitis? And one of the reasons why I get a little bit not frustrated, that's not the right word, but when someone says I have abdominal pain, it could be so many things. Like I initially think, oh boy, this could be something like indigestion or it could be something super serious like a pancreatitis. So when your patient has abdominal pain, it definitely requires a thorough and careful assessment. Now, the next letter in the latte method is A for assessment. So how are we going to assess our patient? has appendicitis. So one of those key things is to assess for pain. 
Again, this may be localized to the right lower quadrant. In addition to asking the patient if they can tell you the location of the pain, ask them to describe the quality and severity as well. The pain is often described as colicky or intense cramp-like pain. If the pain is intense and then suddenly seizes, this is a sign of perforation or rupture. Another assessment is to palpate the abdomen, noting tenderness that may be around the mid-epigastric and umbilical area or localized again to that right lower quadrant. Part of that is assessing for rebound tenderness, and you do this by pressing on that right lower quadrant, again, that's called McBurney's point, and then releasing. Tenderness upon release is called rebound tenderness, and it occurs when tissues of the abdominal cavity are inflamed or infected. You could also assess for Robsing sign. This is pain that is elicited in the right lower quadrant when the left lower quadrant is palpated. You could also assess for psoas sign, which is pain that occurs when the right thigh is passively extended. This sign, which again is called psoas sign, may be present when the appendix is retrocecal and lying over the right psoas muscle. Of course, you want to get a full set of vital signs, heart rate, respiratory rate, and blood pressure may be elevated due to pain. Note that blood pressure may be low in individuals who have had fluid volume deficits secondary to decreased intake, vomiting, and diarrhea. The patient may have a mild fever due to inflammation. They may have a fever due to a ruptured appendix, and now they have an infection. A dramatic increase in that temperature likely means perforation. You also want to ask the patient about vomiting, diarrhea, and constipation, which can also occur, and assess for poor skin turgor, which is a sign of dehydration. Next, we'll look at the tests utilized for appendicitis, but first, a quick break. Emotional Badass is the weekly mental health and wellness podcast dedicated to empowering you with the emotional education so many of us crave. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, a psychotherapist with expertise in talk therapy, personal growth, and therapeutic healing. Join me every week on the Emotional Badass podcast as we delve into the heart of emotional wellness, tackling topics from stress management and coping strategies to the nuances of being highly sensitive. We navigate life's challenges, uncover the subtleties of gaslighting and manipulation, and confront narcissism head on. All the while, we learn to forge healthy boundaries that enrich both our personal and romantic relationships. With brand new content every Sunday and over 300 past episodes in our archive, there's something for everyone. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts. The next letter in the latte method is a T and that stands for tests. So the key diagnostic tests utilized for appendicitis are going to be the CBC, which is the complete blood count. And this will show elevated white blood cells. And if you're looking at the differential, you'll see an increase in neutrophils and immature neutrophils, also called bands. You'll often hear this referred to as a left shift or a shift to the left. Again, that will be on the CBC. The C-reactive protein, if that test is done, it will be elevated. 
And this test is elevated in inflammatory states. And then, of course, imaging studies. So imaging studies utilized to diagnose appendicitis include CT scan with contrast, ultrasound, and MRI. In adults, CT scan is the preferred imaging study, but in children, they may use MRI to avoid excessive radiation exposure. So the next letter is another T, and that stands for treatments. So the key treatment for appendicitis is surgical removal of the appendix. So you want to make sure the patient is NPO prior to the procedure and provide IV fluids to prevent dehydration. Pain management prior to surgery typically involves IV opioids, such as morphine or hydromorphone. However, note that pain medication may initially be held until after the patient can be assessed by the physician because we don't want to mask any of their symptoms. If you can get the patient into Fowler's position or drawing the knees up, this can help relieve the pain until you get that pain medication on board. Now, the surgical procedure for appendicitis is an appendectomy. Remember, ectomy means removal, and appendectomies are generally performed laparoscopically. And most of the time when I have a patient who's had an appendectomy, they have one tiny little incision, but they could have multiple tiny little incisions with the laparoscopic procedure. Now, if that appendix has ruptured, the surgeon may need to create a much larger incision, what we call an open procedure, and wash out the abdominal cavity. Now, adult patients who've had a ruptured appendix typically are going to be needing IV antibiotics for about two to four days, but it could be longer. It really depends on the severity of that infection. I mean, some patients can get severe peritonitis, end up with sepsis, end up in the ICU, so it really depends. Now, again, two to four days is kind of the starting point standard. This can vary depending on the patient's condition. In children, IV antibiotics are generally utilized for a ruptured appendix for a period of at least five days and continued until the child has no fever, they're ambulating, they're tolerating a regular diet, and their pain is well controlled with oral pain medication. Again, this can vary widely, but the general takeaway is that if the appendix has ruptured, the patient's going to need more intense antibiotic therapy, definitely starting out with IV antibiotics and then possibly transitioning to PO antibiotics, which they could take for a period of time. Pain is another component of your appendicitis treatment. After surgery, pain is initially treated with IV medication, and then the patient is transitioned to PO medication, such as hydrocodone or oxycodone, or even just acetaminophen. The diet will be resumed gradually. IV fluids will be discontinued when the patient is taking in enough PO fluids, and they'll be on their way to a full recovery. The next letter in the latte method is an E, and that stands for education. When you're looking at education about appendicitis, generally because appendicitis requires an appendectomy, your teaching is going to be that post-op teaching for the most part. So looking at general post-op care, things to include are to follow any lifting restrictions. Generally, this is going to be not lifting anything over 10 pounds until cleared by the physician. 
and avoiding strenuous activities and sports, especially contact sports, for about two weeks, potentially longer, depending on if the appendix has ruptured or not. You want to teach to resume diet slowly, starting with bland, low-fat foods such as mashed potatoes, bananas, or cottage cheese. Teach the patient to keep their incision clean and dry. They can usually shower after their surgery, but they should avoid baths, they should avoid swimming and hot tubs until the incision is fully healed. Speaking of that incision, generally it has little steri strips on it. Let the patient know that these will fall off on their own in about a week and not to remove them. They should wear loose-fitting clothing around that area to avoid irritating the incision site. And if they're taking PO pain medication, definitely do not drive or operate heavy machinery or even make really big life decisions while taking that medication. And then they should be instructed to call their physician if their pain worsens, if the incision becomes red or has purulent drainage, if they spike a fever above 100.4, or they have nausea and vomiting. These could all be signs of a complication. And they should seek medical care if the pain becomes severe, their abdomen becomes rigid and hard, or if they have any difficulty breathing, as these are signs of even more serious complications. Now, you will be doing some teaching prior to surgery. Mainly, this is going to be teaching your patient that a position of comfort might be Fowler's position, might be drawing the knees upward. This could lessen pain. And that the reason for withholding pain medication initially isn't because you're a mean nurse. It's because the physician needs to evaluate the patient before their symptoms are masked and that they need to notify you or anyone else or the physician immediately if their pain suddenly stops because this could be sign of a perforation. So there you have it, your quick guide to appendicitis, definitely something that you will learn in your first med surge class and see all the time, especially if you're working in pediatrics, if you're working in the ER, on a med surge unit, or in the recovery room. So I hope to see you back here next week where we're going to be talking about prioritizing care using the ABCs and Maslow's hierarchy of needs. See you then. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing, a proud member of the Airwave Media Network. For more educational podcasts, check out airwavemedia.com. And for more nursing-related content, go to straightanursingstudent.com. Keep your mental health muscles strong with the Emotional Badass Podcast. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, psychotherapist, and life coach. The Emotional Badass Podcast is your place to learn the mental health tips and tricks you need to build emotional resilience and practice mindfulness and gratitude. Join me every week for new episodes to reach a more grounded state of well-being as life brings its challenges. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts.